Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. Peace seems like a far-fetched reality in today's world, but as we finish our Advent series, we will begin to understand that peace is only possible with God's presence and His way of living. Let's really be honest about peace. Peace seems like something that is a foreign concept, isn't it, in our world? Did you know that there are, I think, it, let, me, let me look it up here, 37, I believe, 37 active conflicts or wars currently going on in the world. And by the way, that's with, that's with 100 deaths or more. There are conflicts that happen that have under 100 deaths. But we just, we just kept it for that. So there are 37 active conflicts or wars in our world right now. Now, some of them started this year. Some of them date back all the way to 1947. And peace, when you hear the word peace, you think, really? Is that a possible thing? Is that really possible whenever this much conflict, this much war, this much violence happens in our world today? We don't have to do the big scale. We can, we can bring it down Is peace possible in my own household? I struggle when I ask a family member to do a chore and no peace happens at all, (laughs) right? We find ourselves in the midst of conflict continuously, whether it be a family member, whether it be a coworker, right? You go to work and this coworker just had the worst night possible and guess what? They're about to bring that worst night and make your day the worst, right? We constantly see people fighting in the public sphere. It's hard to believe that peace is even a possible reality, doesn't it? In fact, I always sometimes think, you know, in two days we'll... We'll read, we'll read the Christmas story and we hear the angel say, peace on earth to on whom his favor rests. And that was 2,000 years ago and I'm wondering, where is the peace? Where, 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 what are you talking about? This, is, this doesn't make sense at all. The church sings songs about peace all throughout it and we just wonder, Really? Really? Y'all are a bunch of crazy people saying that there's peace on earth. I don't see it. I don't see it. Today, as we continue to prepare ourselves for Jesus' coming, we will understand what real peace is. And it doesn't look like what we think it looks like. It isn't what we think it is. And the beautiful thing is, we have the Son of God, Jesus' stepfather, as a model. Did you know that there was a stepfather in in Jesus'? Yeah. Joseph actually becomes this amazing model of what real peace is. And so as we read his part of the Christmas story, as we read his, his role, you and I will discover that peace isn't what we think it is. 
It's far better than what it is we think it is. Today we're going to be in Matthew. It's a good book. I don't know why I like that book so much. But Matthew chapter 1, beginning with verse 18. It'll be up on the screen for you, or you can open up your Bibles and read alongside of us. Here is what we read. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ took place. When Mary, his mother, was engaged to Joseph before they were married, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. Because he didn't want to humiliate her, he decided to call off their engagement quietly. And as he was thinking about this, an angel from the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because the child she carries was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all of this took place so that the Lord had spoken through the prophet would be fulfilled. Look! A virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did just as an angel from God commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he didn't have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son. And Joseph called him Jesus. To fully appreciate this situation, because it's sort of an... We, we have a, a thought process about how people get married and start a family in our day and age, right? A lot of times, whenever two people love each other, usually, traditionally, the guy gets a ring and proposes, and what happens, right? You get ready to be married. You get ready, you get the wedding ready, you get what needs to happen as far as moving in together, all these different kinds of things. And a lot of times, engagements in our day and age are as long as that preparation time. And that can be very fast. I know people who have gotten married in a week after getting engaged. Like, engagements can be very, very short. Because it's like, hey, let's do it, let's go. Let's not wait anymore, right? But in the ancient world, an engagement, a betrothal, is far more involved. Far more involved. Because, you see, we, they didn't do things based on romantic love. It was far more arranged by the families. And so what would normally happen is, whenever this engagement would start, a payment would be made on behalf in, in between the families. And then the husband would begin to prepare his estate for this woman to come live with him and his family. And there's a lot. There's, there's building and there's... It's, it's, not, it's not like our day and age where, oh, there's an apartment over here that we can just go... They had to build on a place for them to live. There was a lot of preparation. And because there was so much preparation, because monies were exchanged, because all of these things were a part of... The engagement, engagements in their day and age weren't just this, it, you know, it, it's just a relationship until the relationship really gets completed. 
it really was, the betrothal was like being married, except without the benefits of marriage, of living together and sleeping together. That was really what being engaged was. And so here comes Mary to her, to the man she is planning on being engaged. Or she is engaged. Sorry, not planning. She is engaged. And she says, I'm pregnant. Oh. Not by me. That's, that's a joke about guys. Not by me. <laughs> this is very awkward. And then she says, I'm pregnant by, by the grace of God, by the Holy Spirit. Oh, sure you are. I am sure you are. I'm sure that's exactly what happened. This is awkward. This is messy. And so Joseph, hearing this, actually has every right to call off this engagement. And there's, there's a number of ways to call off this engagement. One, he can call off this engagement in front of everybody. And you know what happens if he does that? She deals with the fallout, even the possibility of death. Because women, if they became pregnant or they slept with somebody before marriage, they legitimately, by the law, could be punished by death. But Joseph, we hear in this passage that Joseph is a righteous man, a just man. He wants to do right by her. And so he has every right, again, to call this off. So what he decides to do is he doesn't want to do this where Mary is going to be hurt in such a way that she is, she's killed. But begins to think, hey, if I want to do right by, that, by this woman, I'm just going to do this quietly. And yeah, we're going to have to deal with it in the family and things like that. But this is not going to be a public thing. Yes, there's going to be fallout, but it's not going to be the fallout that it could be. He wants to do right by her. Granted, he will probably still be questioned. His integrity will still probably be questioned in the midst of all of this. But it seems to be the most reasonable, most righteous thing to do. This is what Joseph wants to do. He wants to live rightly. That is from last week. I must have forgot to delete that one. Go to the next one. Joseph is looking to be a righteous person. He is looking to live rightly. That's what righteous means, friends. I know, I know. Some of you grew up in the 80s. Righteous! No. Righteousness means legitimately to live in right relationship with God and with each other. And that's what Joseph is looking to do. And that's what he sees within his moral compass and within his culture. This is the most right thing to do. And then he has a dream. A dream that is crazy. <laughs> A messenger comes to him and says exactly what Mary says to him. This baby didn't come from another man. This baby didn't come through some coercion. This baby came from on high. 
It's crazy. But he has this confirmation that he should believe Mary. And as this angel shares this part, by the way, before I get any further into Joseph's role, let's really be honest. We're not talking about Mary too much today, but Mary had far more to risk than Joseph did. And let it be known, if you ever read Mary's account in Luke, you will find the tension that she has as she says yes to God to carry this baby to term. Crazy amounts of of risk for her. So let's not not discount Mary's part in this. But Matthew looks at, at Joseph's role. And so as the angel talks to Joseph, this angel says, hey, this baby isn't somebody else's. This is from God. And this baby is not just any baby. No, you don't even understand. This baby, this baby is the one who will save people from their sins. And immediately Joseph in this moment would think, oh, this is is the Messiah. This is the one who we've talked about for long periods of time. This This is it. And this baby, this baby that is the Messiah that comes through a virgin conception and a virgin birth will be, will satisfy the prophecies of old. This Messiah will come from the house of David. Now, here's here's something that you should know. Joseph was from the house of David. Mary was not. So wait, is Jesus officially from the house of David? Is he, is he really the Messiah? Does this really? No, no, you see, Joseph, if you do as God asks you, he will be from the house of David because you will be the person who names your son. In an ancient tradition, if a man named a child, that child was theirs. This angel saying, This baby, this Messiah, will be from the house of David, not by blood, but by the gracious act of adoption. You will adopt this Messiah into your household, and it will fulfill the prophecy that, yes, indeed, he comes from the house of David, and he will come to save their sins. See, Joseph, Mary gets to carry the baby. You get to be a part of the social part of this that says, yeah, that's my child. That is my child. And then, you're going to name this baby Yeshua. We say Jesus, but really it's pretty close to Joshua. And would you believe it that Jesus is a very, very common name in that day and age? When we hear about Jesus was born there were probably a ton of other Jesuses born the same day that Jesus was born. <laughs> you need to understand that Jesus wasn't the only one named Jesus in his life, in his, in his world. But this is a sign to say that this baby isn't here 
to be this amazing, royal, miraculous, higher than everybody, but rather will relate with the people he comes to. The very people he comes to save. The very people he comes to save from their sins. You're going to name him, Joseph. You're going to name him Jesus. Now, Joseph is in a very interesting moment because it's still on him. He still has a choice, friends. He can walk away from this situation and divorce Mary quietly and the baby is not in his family and all of that is all gone. He still has a choice. And this choice brings with it Something even more than just divorcing her quietly. Not only does the scarlet letter of Mary socially stay on her, but now it comes to him. And now it comes to that child. People will look at that entire family in a different way than everybody else. Joseph can cut off his life from this mess of a situation like that. But if he wants to do this, if he wants to name this child, if he wants to claim this child, I think Jen Chapman says it so wonderfully. In order to participate in God's saving activity in the world, Joseph would have to swallow his pride, risk his own righteousness, and proceed with a questionable marriage marked with scandal. If Joseph says yes to this, there will be great cost. How many of us love to think about a decision that will come at a great cost to us? Do we really love thinking about it and making the decision to go do it? No. What happens? You, you overthink. You get anxious. You're, you're not sure. You're, the unknown is unknown. It's difficult. It would seem like this would be a situation where peace is not even possible. When Joseph wakes up, though, what does he do? He goes and takes her. As his wife. And by the way, he not only takes her as his wife, he respects her and he respects God so much that he does not consummate the marriage. Because if you know anything about biology, guys could take advantage of the situation. He doesn't. He waits and he respects. He wants right relationship with God and right relationship with his future wife. And he takes this son as his own and names him Jesus. How do you do that? How do you muster up the courage to do this? How, if you have complete open eyes about a situation and you're like, here we go. You don't want to sometimes. How does he do this, friends? Think about this. Not even just the social part. Think about the awkward conversation he gets to have with his parents and with her parents. What do you mean you're still taking her as your wife? Aren't the hardest conversations with family members? <laughs> yeah. But he does the right thing. 
How does he do this? And the answer is found in the message that he receives from the angel. See, this baby that is coming to save the world from their sins, this baby has, is, is, has a special name. And his name doesn't just mean something. It is something. This baby is named Emmanuel. God with us. And if God is with you, you have the ability to do the right thing in the midst of a mess, in the midst of conflict, in the midst of a moment that will cause great cost to your own life. And by the way, this isn't just a pie in the sky where I would say to you, hey, do the right thing, God is with you. And you're like, well, I mean, yeah, I mean. No, 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 no. This God with us is right there in her womb right now, growing with inside her. God is right there with him, coming in the form of a human being. God with us. God is with you, Joseph. You can do this. You can do the right thing. You can answer the call that God has placed upon your life. You can deal with all the stuff that's going to be thrown your way because of this. You can live rightly in the midst of this conflict, this mess, this mess. Friends, hear me. Hear this. I've got a slide for this. Hear this. When God is with you, you have the ability to do the right thing in the midst of the mess, in the midst of the conflict, in the midst of the chaos. But do you know what this is called? There's a word for this. To do the right thing, to do right action, to have right relationship in the midst of conflict. Do you know what that's called? Peace. Wait, what? What do you mean peace? Peace is, there's no conflict at all. No, 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 no. Peace is doing the right thing in the midst of conflict. And so what Joseph shows us is that he has such a peace that God is with him, that he has the ability to be the presence of peace in a very, very difficult conflict. He has the ability to be righteous in the midst of a moment when people aren't going to be righteous back to him. Do you sense this, friends? He is willing to obey God, to maintain the relationship with his future wife, and to adopt this child regardless of what the law said, regardless of what everyone else would say, regardless of all the awkward conversations that are coming to his doorstep. See, we think that peace is this concept where there's no conflict in the world. And we sometimes reserve peace. Or, Man, I just can't wait for the day that Jesus comes back and there is peace in the world. You know what, friends? If we are only waiting for peace in the world as a future concept, we don't have good news. There is no good news found in Jesus. There is not. If you're waiting for peace to come, you don't, your life doesn't look any different than anybody else. No, peace 
is not the absence of conflict. It's not, it's not this, everybody comes to one side. Peace, friends, is this. Peace is right relationship and right action in the midst of conflict. That's what peace is. And you're saying, well, this sounds like it's very action. It's also this mindset, too. Having peace means to be able to see people for who they are. Not as enemies, but as neighbors. Not as people who are wrong, but rather people who deserve to be loved. See, the mindset of peace takes on what God has called us to be the entire time. Love God, love your neighbor. This is right relationship. Live in right relationship with each other. But I don't want peace. <laughs> if, if peace is this, some of us don't want peace. Some of us want to win the conflict. Some of us want to run away from the conflict. Some of us just want to say, I want my own positive life over here, and you all can do whatever you want. That's not peace. What you're doing is you're running away. And running away never brings peace into the world, never brings peace to others, never brings peace to your own life. How many of us have run away from an argument with somebody in our family, and guess what? We still feel bad about it years later. How many of us have, have won? We won. We defeated the opposition. And yet we still see, a, this just doesn't seem right. Even though I got my way, it's not necessarily good here. It's because peace doesn't come through the ways that the world thinks peace comes. Peace comes through a different way. How? How does peace come into our lives? Well, I hate to say it, but it's, it's, it's right here again. It's right there in what the angel says to Joseph, and it's exactly what God does in our lives. You see, when God comes into the world, when God is with us, he looks to save us. He looks to bring a new kingdom. He looks to bring forth a new life for us. And what is the first thing that God says to the people who he comes to all throughout Scripture? And he says it right here to Joseph. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Friends, the reason why we see so little peace in the world is because, quite frankly, too many people are scared to death of the world, scared to death for themselves, scared to death of what might happen. And so you know what people do whenever they're afraid? They're not calm. They do what it takes so that they get their way or so that they're not afraid anymore. But here, God with us is among Joseph, is right there alongside Joseph. And so when God arrives in Joseph's life, the fear is driven out. 
And so for you and I, friends, for us to actually begin to live out a peaceful life, ambassadors of peace, this is what happens. When fear is gone, peace arrives. You cannot serve God in the fears of your life. You can't do it. You will have the most difficult time loving your neighbor as yourself. You will have the most difficult time seeing people who think differently than you as possible friends instead of enemies. If you fear somebody, you will treat them as an enemy. You will live in a way that does not love. You will live in a way that just promotes conflict in the world, friends. God with us drives out the fear so that you and I can be ambassadors of peace, so that we can live in peace, so that we can have peace. Now, some of you might be thinking to yourself, well, how? Jesus ain't here anymore, Pastor. He ascended. He sent the Holy Spirit to be upon His people. The Holy Spirit is continuously upon this place, continuously upon you. God is with you. He's not here, friends, to to support you in doing what you want to do or supporting your fears. He is here to drive out the fear so that you can have new life today. A new life that spreads peace instead of conflict, friends. And so, in this Advent time, Peace is not a future construct. It's not limited to when Jesus comes back. You and I are tasked with being ambassadors of peace to prepare the world for when Jesus comes back. If we sit idly by, passively, and say, yeah, God will take care of it. He'll bring peace someday, and I don't need to be a part of it. I can be as abrasive, and uh, I can bring conflict, and I can put my opinions out there regardless of who it offends or who it hurts. Guess what? You don't have good news. You've lost it. You've lost it. You are denying that God is with you, and he is going to provide for you to live rightly in the midst of the conflicts of this world. Friends, I see, I see a lot of people who say they believe in Jesus, but I see a lot of fear. I see a lot of partisan. Let's be partisan. Let's make it us versus them. And if you have found yourself doing that, let me be very clear with you. You are not spreading the kingdom of God. You're, bringing, you're spreading a kingdom of fear. And when God is with you, fear is driven out. It must be. You must be found completely in Him. It's trusting Him to provide for you 
and to provide for this world so that you and I can be ambassadors of peace. Because I'm here to tell you something. You cannot run from conflict. It will, it will chase you. It will chase you. And if you've lived five years on this earth, you know that. <laughs> conflict will chase you. Man, I did this. I feel guilty. I feel guilty. I feel guilty. It just follows you. I'm not going to talk to them. I'm not going to talk to them. I still feel guilty. I still feel guilty. Can't run from it. Also, you cannot bring peace into the world by winning the conflict. Because you know what happens when you win? Somebody loses. Somebody loses. I got what I want. They didn't get what they need. Peace is living rightly. Do you know what living rightly is? It's summed up in love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Friends, to have peace and to spread peace is to live rightly through the power of the Holy Spirit in the midst of every conflict. Which means that you can head into the messes. You can head into the messes with a grace and a truth that is far, far beyond what most people think is possible in conflict. You don't have to go in angry. You don't have to go in needing to win. It's not about winning. It's about trusting God to work something in between you and that other person. In between us and this world. You don't have enemies when you have peace, friends. You don't. And some of us really want to hold on to enemies. I see it continuously. And if you have an enemy, and if you say, well, that's not an enemy, how do you treat them? Do you love them? You have an enemy if you don't love them. To have and to spread peace is to rightly live through the power of the Holy Spirit in the midst of the conflict of the world. Personally, I, I relate with this story today. I relate with this account. Because, not because my wife came home pregnant and I, you know, didn't know. That is not why. But as anybody who is preparing to have a child be brought into their lives, whether it be through pregnancy or adoption or even just caring for your, your grandkids or your, your nephews or your nieces, right? You prep for the kids. Kids require preparation. But while you do this, and even though you think that you might be able to be fully prepared for it, at some point in the whole waiting process, in the back of your head, you say to yourself, can I do this? <laughs> can I do this? Can, can a little human being rely on me to not kill them? Parenthood 
no, I'm serious. Parenthood, babysitting, all of it. That's, that's the question, right? Some of you are like, I know people who cannot answer that question with the appropriate answer. <laughs> so we don't have them babysit our kids, right? Uh, <laughs> am I ready for this? And when this happens, you get anxious. And that fear creeps in. I've had a lot of that lately. I've had a lot of that lately. Because me, personally, I am a person who likes to be able to visualize or know what I'm doing before doing it. That's just who I am. You know how many diapers I've changed in my life? Zero. Zero. I have zero. Am I anxious about it? No, I'm fine. <laughs> I try to think of things like, my, my, God gave me a cat and a dog who have puked and pooped in places where they shouldn't to prepare me for the poop. But I still don't feel very prepared. But there's far more than just dirty diapers. There's far more than that. There's a, a whole life ahead of us. Am I ready to deal with the bad attitude of a toddler when they learn the word, no? Am I ready for when my daughter has a rebellious teenage spirit and wants to go out with that guy? Am I ready for going through common core math with this little girl? No. <laughs> Am I ready for all of these things that I can't comprehend in my life? And the answer is no. I'm not. So I can do one of two things. I can remain in my fear or... I can begin to lay it over to him, to give it to God, and he will just whisper to me, hey, I'm with you. Be at peace. And yeah, you're not going to know everything. That's fine. I'm with you. I'm with you. And don't define the effectiveness of your parenthood by how perfect she may be, defined by being faithful to me, by bringing peace into her life, by having a right relationship. Right relationship with when she says the worst thing to you. When she says, I hate you. When she stays out past curfew. When she has the blowout as an infant. Maintain right relationship, Matt. No, you can. You can be a parent. You can raise this little girl up in the way that I have called you to. Because I am with you. Friends, this extends beyond just my relationship with my future daughter. 
It extends to my wife and extends to my family and extends to each and every one of you and extends to my friends and extends to the people I don't know. It extends to the person who gave me the middle finger because I cut him off on 82. It extends to the very people the world calls our enemies. That peace that God brings to us, he whispers, God, with us, I am with you. And you can do the difficult thing. You can do the right thing in the midst. When you're treated poorly, when things aren't fair, when somebody dumps on you whenever they should be dumping on somebody else, you and I have to bring peace into the world to share the good news that God is with us. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you were inspired by this week's message. We would love for you to join us on a Sunday morning for our service, which begins at 1030 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street, Northwest, in Warren, Ohio. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, please visit us at championnaz.org.